Biz Women Rock, Episode 69. What's going on, ladies? Welcome to the Biz Women Rock podcast. I am your host, Katie Kermitzos. And this podcast is here so that you have access to phenomenal stories of business women all over the world in all sorts of different industries so you really can tap into the knowledge and experience that they've had on their journeys so that it can really impact yours. Once you're done listening to today's episode, make sure that you become part of the Biz Women Rock community. We have a thriving online community of really super savvy business women who are connecting with each other on our private Facebook group, and that is BWR Connect. And all you have to do to get a personal invitation for me to join the group is to go to bizwomenrock.com. I'm so excited that you're here with me today. I have a great interview with Eve Mayer. Now, Eve is the founder of Social Media Delivered, which is one of the most well-respected social media companies in the country, and here's why. She really started her company back in 2008, just when the whole trend of utilizing social media for business was really starting. So she learned a heck of a lot of stuff on the front end and has earned a reputation for her company in that time. She's done social media training for big corporations like Cisco and Microsoft and Vistage and has been recognized by Forbes as one of the most influential women in social media. Aside from these accolades, Eve has an incredible story about how she started her business, how she's grown it over all these years, how she's built her team, and a very cool conversation about the special company culture that she has created over all these years that have made them such a special place to work and have really differentiated them in the marketplace. So let's get on with the interview. Thank you so much for being on the show with me today. Thank you, Katie. I'm so excited to have you here. You have built such an amazing company in Social Media Delivered, and I'm really excited to really get behind the scenes on how you have done that and all the information you know and kind of the journey that you've had all along the way. So can you start us from the beginning about maybe what you were doing before you even started Social Media Delivered? Sure. I've done just about everything, Katie. I have worked in the music industry for many years, back when I was young and thought I was very cool before I was a suburban mom. And I worked in technology consulting. I worked in the medical industry. I'm not really sure there's an industry I've not worked in. I was a waitress. I was a cocktail waitress. It was a really bad one. I went and built a picture of iced tea on a senator. That wasn't good. <laughs> but I've done just about everything before this. And, and I then was lucky enough when social media was really coming forward to stumble into this industry. You started your company back in 2008. What gave you the idea to really start this company and make it official that you were going to be this social media company who knew all of these different social media strategies? Well, I attribute a lot of my success to my parents. Growing up, my parents were very young and they had full-time jobs. They put each other through school and put each other through college. And they were always starting up different companies. They were very entrepreneurial and on the side, always trying to, uh, I remember we had a toy company, we had a candy, a candy company, we had a gift basket company. 
and a lot of times they were really limited by how much work they could get done along with taking care of a child and school and a full-time job. But I learned all of that from them. So I think from a very young age, I was always starting up companies and, and starting them up to different levels of success, usually successful, but definitely not always. And what happened in 2008 is I was working as a consultant, working for a company in consulting work. And, and things changed because we were marketing to hotels and restaurants and there was a dip in the economy, and I'm sure everyone remembers, and it became much more difficult to do the kind of business that company had been doing. And I knew that I need to eventually explore uh, other things. And I actually was looking at LinkedIn, helping someone with LinkedIn, helping them do a better job at finding a job on LinkedIn. And I just got curious about what would it be like if I looked at social media in a different way? What would it be like instead of just using LinkedIn for someone to find a job, I instead went in and used LinkedIn as a prospecting and sales tool to build relationships, to generate business for other companies. And so I went to companies I had worked with before and asked them if I could do it for free for a testimonial. And then after that worked, I began asking companies if I could do work for them for trade. So I started out with a dentist who let me do their Facebook and Twitter and they gave me free dental services, cleanings, and med spa services, which is great because I really needed a microdermabrasion. Let me tell you, <laughs> wonderful. Made my skin just look 10 years younger. But anyway. You really had um, great white, clean teeth at this time, didn't you? <laughs> What's that? You really had great, clean, white teeth at this time, didn't you? <laughs> I did. It was amazing. It was just fabulous. And so I did that with restaurants and hotels. So for a while, you started just working on the side of another full-time job and then eventually had enough business and enough income and revenue, honestly, a lot of it for trade, where I was able to leave that full-time job and, and focus on this. So a lot of people say, you, you're so brilliant. You, you just knew exactly when to strike with social media. You did it exactly the right time. You were just incredibly brilliant. It really was not brilliant. It was desperation and making sure that a tough economy, I was going to be able to make money and take care of my family. So that was the real answer behind it, and the timing worked out great, and, and we started at a good time, and so now a lot of times we're in situations where social media delivered has been around for three more years or four more years in the company we're competing with, which, which really does give us a lot of power and, and a, a good reputation. Eve, what were you discovering at that time? Because you were on sort of the front end of that wave of people really leveraging social media to get in touch with their clients and potential clients. So what were some of the things that you noticed? I, I mean, maybe they're done very differently now, but what were some of those things that you noticed as far as like a trend shifting to building those more personal relationships in an online way? Well, I think it was the first time that people began to recognize that now we could have a relationship with a company or with a brand. So in the past with broadcast media, the message came out from the company to the person and the person had no opportunity to reject or accept or respond or interact with that company. And, and that was fine. I mean, that was what we were used to. And it was a very safe place for companies to exist because they could spin messages. They could be perfect. They could be where things would never go wrong. And we all know that that's not true. Companies are made up of people. People are imperfect. Therefore, companies will always be imperfect. It's just how life is. And what I discovered at that time was the fear that companies had around opening up and having this two-way communication between what the message was going out from the company and how it might come back from their customers or prospective customers. And the company could no longer spin it. The company could no longer control that message and now have to learn things like how to say I'm sorry or how to say we screwed up or how to say we aren't perfect and we can fix things. 
And that's a very scary place for executives, especially those who have been successful and are multimillionaires for the past 20, 30 years. To see this new thing happening is, is a very scary situation. Is that something that your clients still experience? Because obviously in 2008, that was definitely a huge paradigm shift. But now you hear about companies being a lot more kind of curtains open, willing to apologize, willing to interact directly, respond when there's a complaint. But with your clients that you work with now, is that still sort of something you have to counsel them through? Absolutely. With some of them, not all of them, you have different progressions and different levels of maturity for different companies and where they are. And a lot of it has to do with industry. So you can typically expect restaurants or hospitality, hotels, retail, you can expect them to probably be more advanced and more down the road on social media because they've been doing it for a while because the barriers to entry were low. And when you're talking about financial organizations who have to deal with FINRA or SEC regulations, they're going to likely be in a different place because there was a lot of conflicting direction on how social media should be handled and which laws need to be followed and how those laws fell into social media policy. So medical, government, financial, those would probably be the industries that are still behind on social media, not because the people are there aren't just as brilliant as anywhere else, it's because they have regulations that have been confusing and have kept them from embracing it because of fear of doing something wrong. Now, those things are progressing. So where we might have been just at the beginning stages with, with a retail company five years ago, we're at that stage now a lot of times with a financial or a medical company. Mm. So Eve, explain to us exactly what your business model is now. Like, you know, you started out sort of exchanging LinkedIn services and helping people get business out of LinkedIn. What do you deliver now? What are your services that people can utilize? And how do you guys generate revenue? What different pockets do you have for that? You Deliver has been around for almost six years. And most of our employees are in Dallas, but we also have employees in Dallas, Texas, but we also have employees in Paris, France, and in Austin, Texas, and in Savannah, and we provide services around social media. So what that means is we are a communications and business organization that helps companies or organizations reach their business goals through the use of social media. That will involve typically the top five to seven social media platforms primarily at any time. So right now, that means we focus on helping companies with blogs, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube. We also work on Snapchat. Uh, we also do some things here and there with, with other social media platforms. We also handle Google+. Plus. But those would be the main ones uh, that we focus on. We're probably best known for our work on LinkedIn. Because personally, I travel worldwide to teach sales organizations how to use LinkedIn for the purposes of prospecting. So I will typically work with a small group of executives or a small group of sales leaders in an organization, typically a business-to-business organization or a large nonprofit organization that depends heavily on corporate donations. And I teach them a system on how to use LinkedIn to help them prospect more actively and with more success. So that's, that's probably the thing that I'm, I'm known for most. Uh, I'm called LinkedIn Queen on Twitter, and, and that's probably if people have heard me speak, they've generally heard me speak on that. I speak a lot as well generally on social media, probably because I take a very direct view of it. 
And, and so we do a lot of consulting on social media strategies for mid to large, with a lot of Fortune, now Fortune 500 organizations. And then probably the main thing that the company Social Media Delivered does is we watch social media. So we monitor social media for mid to large companies. Sometimes we can go up to 24 hours a day where we can monitor what is happening on their social media channels. And then we interact on their behalf and assist their internal teams, and we respond. We also write content for all types of companies, so hotels, restaurants, medical companies, financial organizations, government agencies, retail companies, on creating the content that would go on their Facebook page or would go on their Twitter page and then send that information out and, and interact on their behalf. So the company as a whole is really best known for our content creation system, which is called the Social Media Business Equation, and it's based on a book that I wrote a few years ago. Gotcha. So you're acting as educator first, strategist, as well as implementer on all fronts, really. Yeah, myself, I actually speak and train on LinkedIn and then work on strategy. We have a president at Social Media Delivered who joined the team last November. Thank goodness. Her name is Shannon Streeter. And she had a very wide background in gym marketing and specific knowledge of growing in social media. So she had worked in change management and consulting and branding and strategy. And she has just really taken the company to a whole new level and really just systemized a lot of the things we do. And we're just able to take a lot better. Also, our team internally has grown and we have just some amazing writers and some people who just do an incredible job because now social media is much more about a blend of customer service and marketing and advertising and more into technology. And there's so many things we have to be educated and aware of to serve our clients well. So I'm curious to know, kind of from the beginning, let's say now, right now you work with these Fortune 500 companies. And so I'm really curious to know what you've done in the past to get to a place where you now work with Fortune 500 companies, what were some of the steps that you took in order to get in front of those clients and in order to have a package that you knew would be desirable to them? Well, let me be clear. We do work with some Fortune 500 companies, but we absolutely, I would say the bulk of our clients would be mid to large companies. And we still work with startups and small companies, especially around the consulting work. The, the things that you hear when people come to you and say, we're really struggling with social media, our internal team is not large enough, we're not sure exactly what to do, how to reach the next business goal, those are the same words out of the mouth of the small startup to the Fortune 500 company. There is no difference. And I think one of the reasons that so many people like working with social media delivery and we were able to penetrate the Fortune 500 market was we've never pretended to have it all figured out. And we still don't pretend to have it all figured out. We're talking about social media that has not been around. My daughter's seven, and, and she still seems like a baby to me. Social media has not been around for much longer than that in the form that we recognize it today. So when people are introduced to a, a new technology that so vastly changes the way we communicate as humans personally and in business, it's ridiculous, in my opinion, for any consultant or any company to say, you know what? We've got this all figured out. We know exactly what you should do. We know exactly what's going to happen. It's just not true. 
And so our job is to really work with companies and understand what their business goals are and to be honest with them to say, in this situation, social media really is it's not the best choice. Traditional media is really going to work better or a call center in this case is the answer, we believe. And we're not the experts on that. Or in other cases, yes, we think social media is the right way to go and we're going to partner with you to figure out how to do this because either we can find examples on how it's been done before but so many times still, some of these things just haven't been done yet, and we're still figuring out. So I think it takes a lot of humility on my team members' part to really go in there and be honest that we don't know everything, but we're going to find out, and we'll work hard to do those things for companies. I love that answer. And I think, you know, one of the questions I really wanted to ask you, and this is probably just a question that will go deeper into exactly what you're talking about is, how do you manage client expectations? Because social media is something that's just changing on a daily basis, not only in kind of the how to really use it, but in the whole strategy of how to approach it in the first place. So that's changed drastically from six years ago. So how are you making sure that you're constantly making sure that your clients know that you're not promising results, let's say, and this is a constant evolution of how we're using this? Like what sort of like real world practices do you have to make sure that you're managing those client expectations? It is not an easy task because everyone's still trying to figure all of this out. And when you are, let's say, an upper executive saying to the CFO, we need to spend this money on social media, and no one really knowing exactly what it's going to achieve in a certain amount of time, it's a scary place to be. However, we continue to see spend going up in social media. We continue to see confidence around what people have seen happen using social media for their organizations. But just because the social media takes place online does not mean that all of this is is completely trackable. Yes, there are analytics that we can look at and we can look at the numbers on the page, but sometimes customers will have behaviors of interacting on social media and then later walking into a store or later going to the website directly to purchase or later calling in and making a purchase. And that's just specific for for retail. But there are all kind of ways that that we can miss being able to track these things. And and in that way, we're really not in much of a different spot than we have been before when we have advertising or marketing or communication. So many times there'll be so many sales calls that a company does and we can't say exactly which call had that breakthrough. It's not completely clear yet just because it's online. So we just manage those expectations. One thing we, we know is that because social media isn't like traditional media where you pay a certain amount of money and immediately have your message reach people, we have to build that audience first. We know that when we start working with clients, we need to work with them for a year to make sure we see what's going to be going on. So a lot of people will say, well, we want to test social media for three months or six months. And it's really typically not going to be effective because first we have to get the audience there before we have anyone to talk to. And so we have to explain that and talk about the plan, how to do that, and how to find the places for the right people for us to get to. But managing expectations in social media is a constant struggle for all social media companies and all people and executives spending money on social media because it takes time to build relationships. And social media basically is that, the formation of human relationships in an effort to achieve some type of goal. So when a human relationship will pay off is a question that if somebody could answer it, they will be quite amazing. (laughs) You know, Eva, I really want to get into your company itself and how you've grown it because you now have a team of 10 team members. You have another 20 interns that you work with on a regular basis. 
You guys have been listed as one of the best places to work in Dallas. That does not come by happenstance. I mean, you really had to do a lot of things to make sure that you were actively working on creating a great company culture. So I wanna use that as a backdrop to ask this first question and then we'll go with your growth. What was it like hiring your very first employee? Because you were doing this by yourself at first and now have grown to this size of a team with this kind of a culture. So what was it like hiring that very first employee for you? I'll tell you about that. And I'll tell you this. You know, I talked about Shannon Streeter, who's our president that joined us last year, who brought so much process and, and, and brings so much strength to the company. And, and she's so much better and so much smarter than I am in so many ways with sales and with servicing clients and, and with products. But one thing that I'm really proud of that, that I'm good at is, is building culture. And it's been my greatest joy and the thing I'm proudest of at, at Social Media Delivered is the culture that we have. And I think a lot of times that pride in that culture keeps me wanting the company to be not small, but not get too big, you know, to, to remain kind of this, this culture that we've had since the beginning. And it, it's been so important. So we have some very clear core values. And so the first employee that I hired, I remember it was five and a half, five, five and a half years ago, something around that. I'm getting old. Um, <laughs> and and uh, I was sitting at the table and her name is Ruth Ferguson, and she is now our vice president of client services. And through, through everything, she's been here the whole time, and she's also a dear friend of mine. And she came in, I, you know, did as most startups do, really refined. I found her on Craigslist after making ad and came in to interview for internship. Because every employee that has ever been hired at Social Media Delivered starts out as an intern first. There has not been one employee that we've hired so far without being an intern first, including that president. And so uh, Ruth came in to, to interview for this internship for this company that just decided existed, basically. And she did the internship and blew me away. She was just brilliant and, and steady and calm, which is something I, I aspire to be at some point in my life. <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet. And she was just the perfect match. And, and when I hired her, I remember we got, I think, our first paying client. So we had only trade clients up to that point. We celebrated. I, I think we had some champagne, as we often do. And it was a great day. And she's still with us. And she leads the team now. And we couldn't do it without her. So what kind of like real habits do you put in place or norms or just items that you have that happen inside of your business to ensure that everyone is sort of buying into your company culture, really gets it, kind of has this team mentality, like that they really adhere to that culture that is so very important to you? Well, I was talking about our internship program, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about that because if, if they don't fit in the culture, it's really evident. But you pretty much come to social media delivered, and you either think to yourself, oh, my gosh, I'm in heaven. I've always dreamed of a place like this, or this is terrible. i got to get out of here as quickly as possible. And I, I don't think there's really any in-between there, and that's why the internship is so important. So one thing we have is we have a certification process, which is based on my book, The Social Media Business Equation. So we have a, a certification process in that where people learn how to do social media in an effort to achieve real business goals in a very systematic fashion. And people have a choice on how to do that. They either come to a class, which we actually have once a year at Hilton Antle, and then we'll have it in August, and they come to this four-day class, and it is intense, and it's all day long, and it's a crash course in social media and how you actually do it. It's a very small class and it's taught by seven, you know, seven of our team members or who actually do these things every day. 
And then you, you pay the money to do it, you put in the time, you take a test, and you leave after four days with a certification. Or instead, you get hired on as an intern, and then you do 240 hours of interning, and then you take the test, and then you get the certification. So when people come in, I think that they are really prized of the culture. So there's very specific things about our culture. We are very straightforward, so we're very transparent. If things are going badly, you're going to know about it. If things are going well, you're going to know. So, for example, today, we had a writing session. When we write, we write together as a team. So it's Facebook, Saturday Night Live, actual writing. Oh, wow. We sit around the table, and we write together for a client. We all get on a client call. So there might be 10 people or 15 people on a client call. We ask the client questions. We hear what their goals are. And then as a team, we write together. And when the reading happens, as we go around the table, you either get humiliated because your writing was so terrible or teased because it was awful, or like today, the prize was either a hat from Glee, the TV show, or a pink <laughs> candle. And one of our interns wrote the best tweet today, and she won the pink scented candle. She was very excited about <laughs> candle tonight. She said she couldn't wait. So it's, it's really an atmosphere of, fun and hard work. So a couple of things I think we're known for that, that people like to talk about is we wear flip-flops and t-shirts, as I think a lot of tech companies do. Sometimes we bring our dogs to work. We have a 24-hour Christmas party. We have a very intense Halloween costume competition. And of course, I think what we're probably best known for is our annual pie fight. What was that? The annual pie fight. Have you not heard about our annual pie fight? An annual pie fight? Yes. Oh. An annual pie fight which is actually, I think, who was it? August 8th this year, which I can't wait. Um, oh, my gosh. Watch out. And it is it is a lot of fun. I did, I mean, we try not to talk about it too much because there was the incident with me getting a black eye a few years ago. <laughs> like, actually, for some reason, I was super proud of it. I like, never had a black eye before, and I just felt like I was really tough, and maybe people thought I was in a real fight, and I just told them, you should see the other girl. But yeah. <laughs> Who that. needs to know it came from a pie, you know? <laughs> yeah, I did. And I tell people, they say, how did you get that, that black eye? I said, fight. Oh, my gosh. And so that, that was pretty good. So we have our annual pie fight. We have a company retreat where we, we stay all together at the Hilton Mantle. Not together in the same room. We actually have several rooms. But we stay, and then we have a 24-hour Christmas party, and we, we have monthly luncheons and we try to do charity work together once a year. But we just do a lot of things that are a little bit different. We take some dance classes together. We actually went line dancing and we went bowling, you know, the last couple months. But we actually like each other. I think that's the difference. So we, just, like, we actually would choose to hang out with each other if we could. And, and so I think that's what makes it different. And, um I'm proud of it, and I'm excited about it. We're a certified women business-owned company, which I'm really proud of. I own 100% of the company and I always have. And won an award uh, with the Women-Owned Business Council last year, which we're very proud of. And this was our second time winning a Dallas Best Place to Work from the Dallas Business Journal. So those are our moments of pride and joy. Wow, I love it. Thank you for sharing some of those <laughs> very intimate ways that you build culture because I love the fact that you can just have fun, but there is a strategy to it. There's definitely thought to it. There's You're all having a pie fight, but there's sort of this purpose of it being able to bond everyone together and making it fun, but using that to really leverage the fact that, okay, we're here to work hard and play hard and have a really good time. Katie, I love that you just made the fact that I love to go pies at people. <laughs> A deep and an emotional encompassing thing. So yes, you like that? Exactly. 
is exactly what I had in mind. To be honest, the pie fight started in my family. My dad started this tradition, and we used to just get, let me tell you, by the way, there is a formula for a good pie fight. What you're going to need is 10 pies per competitor, 10 <laughs> pies per person. <laughs> What it really interests me after every great person that you bring onto your team, this great culture that you're building, all these great services that you're providing for people, what is your plan for scaling out? Because your business, the services that you have are very, they're very in-depth and, and they're very intricate. So what are your plans for being able to actually scale out your business? I think that we'll scale and I, I think that we'll grow and we plan on hiring more people this year. But We've had opportunities where other companies have wanted to acquire us or, or speak to us about that, and I always listen, but it just hasn't really been something I've been interested in because I think it all comes back to the culture and, and what will that be like. And I'm sure we could go faster and grow bigger and be 100 people in a few years, but I can't really say that that's what I want. I love money. Money's fantastic. I really enjoy making money. But that's not it. I think that a lot of times I could have gone and worked back for another company and made more money than I was making here a few years ago. I don't think I could say that now, but I think that was possible at some point. But part of it's the money, and most of it is, is the culture. So I'd like to scale. I'd like to grow. But the point that we've gotten to now where, where we really have more of an ability to work with great clients that's kind of hard to give up because I remember a time when we were we were brand new and desperate for absolutely any client there there was. At this point now, we get to work with clients who are just we learn from them and we're able when we we serve them well, they appreciate it. And when we can do something better or we screw up, which is rare, but it happens, they let us make it right. And, and they give us understanding and let us fix it and let us grow and let us get better. And that makes me want to do extra things beyond what we we already said we were going to do in our services. And, and then getting to do that extra work feels great and makes them happier. And I don't know that I want to grow huge because probably I fear that the culture would change so much and we would lose that. So... I'm pretty happy with what we have. I'd like to get bigger, but I wouldn't like to get huge. Hmm. Can you name maybe like one of the biggest failures that you've had in your business thus far, or maybe a super low moment, and you describe to us what that was and how you got through it? Hmm. We've had a few failures. Let me think about that. I think I think I got burnout for a little while. I think as we grew and got larger, I became really stressed out for a period of time and doubted if I could really take the company to the next level. And I think that I waited a little too long on recognizing that there were things that I am just not good at doing. Now, I came to that realization, but I wish I had gotten there a little bit quicker. And I think that I could have served my staff better had I gotten there quicker. And I'm talking about the decision to bring on a president. It's very difficult, I think, for most owners, CEOs, to recognize their shortcomings, admit them, and really turn over control to the comp- of the company to someone else. But if it's the best thing for the company, it needs to be done above all ego. So I'll say Vistage, which is a CEO organization that I've, I've participated in a lot, was really instrumental in helping me get to that decision. And that, along with Culture Index, which is a 
organization. I work with a guy named Jason Williford who helped me understand what kind of people need to be in what kind of spots at my company. Once I understood what I like doing, what I'm good at doing, and what I'm not so good at doing, I mean, the choice was really clear to bring on a president. But I would say the biggest thing would be mine, but that I didn't recognize that sooner, and I didn't do that sooner. Well, it's really interesting what you're saying because your president is really the person who's running the day-to-day operations. They're running, they're managing your team. They're really doing build out for you. And that is typically like, they always talk about like build out your team, find out what you're not good at and then find people. But you never think of that being like, the top person kind of overseeing and managing everything. So that's a very unique position to actually want to bring on. So why did you have success doing that? Like, what do you attribute that to the fact that you were able to really hand everything over and do it successfully and make sure that things were still getting done according to how you wanted them to get done for the company? I think it comes down to ego. I I obviously have a huge ego. I don't think there's any doubt of that, but my want to serve my clients and serve my employees well and to grow as a human and to live a life where I make money but I'm fulfilled and I have time with my daughter and I have time with my boyfriend and I have time with my mom and dad and my family and my friends is is more important to me than just working all the time and just making money. And I think hiring people who are more intelligent than me it's not only an easy decision for a lot of people to make, it's it's pretty darn easy for me. And so I don't know if I answered your question. Those yeah. are the things I wanted to say. Yeah, no, exactly. I really want to shift over to the fact that you're a writer, and I want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit about your book. So you've written three. Sure. You've written three books. Two of them are very specifically geared towards what you do in business. One is called the Social Media for the CEO. One is called the Social Media Business Equation. And then you have this book all about online dating called Get It Girl Guide. So I really just want to kind of take an overview of writing and the fact that you have created these books. So you did the, those first two business books first. Can you talk a little bit about what your process was for that? Like, how did you actually create these books as you were running your business? Sure. So I, it took me nine months to write each book. I had no idea what I was doing the first time, a little bit better the second time, pretty darn good idea the third time. I didn't expect to be an author, and it's interesting because I typically live my life being really intentional and goal-driven by everything that I do. So the book kind of surprised uh, that I actually went down that road, but I really believe that most executives at this point, they want to be a thought leader in their industry and have ideas they feel are important and original, they need to be an author. They need to write a book. And I think that it really helps me to build the organization. I think it helps me to increase my speaker fees dramatically over time. I built my authority and was able to get me noticed and in publications in a way I couldn't have without without writing the book. That's for the, the books on social media. Now, the book on online dating, like you say, it's completely different from the business books, but it's really not because I'm talking about getting what you want out of business through social media, which is online. And then I shift over to getting what you want out of love online, which is the same thing, basically, just a different end result. <laughs> and so what happened is after being with my uh, ex-husband for 14, 13 years, we split up. We remained good friends. We raised my daughter, our daughter together. And I wanted to learn about online dating, but I had not dated in 14 years. And there was no online dating, and there were no text messages, and there were none of these things. So this was a whole new world. And 
when I stuck my toe into it, I was pretty shocked and amazed at what I found. So as I started to talk to women about what they wanted out of dating, did I heard so many saying, so I don't mind dating, but this terrible thing happened or this happened, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And I hear a lot of women giving up. And I didn't want to give up because I wanted to date because I had all this freedom now and it sounded really fun. And so I, I started learning how to do it and I got really good at it to where I feel like I could get a really high quality of man to date and I experiences that just absolutely made me laugh my head off and when I tell people about it they couldn't believe that it happened but as I talked to my woman I thought that these experiences were pretty typical and I just had to write it in fact it was my dad who would laugh so hard at the story if he kept on asking me to write the book because he could not <laughs> believe what I was telling him and um it, it was a great experience writing I, I I enjoy writing so much I have a very difficult time putting the book together I have a very difficult time writing I contribute to Forbes sometimes and, and I write for other publications sometimes and I I really have to force myself to sit down and write and when I do it it's one of the most enjoyable experiences I have so I would say if you're a writer set aside time to do it each day during the weekdays to get about it on the weekend vice versa depending on your schedule do it right if you have children do it right after you put the child to bed and give yourself 45 minutes or an hour and just no matter what it is you write right it's very therapeutic it's very educational it's just it's a great way to see what comes out and see what happens I love that now what books have had a major influence on you throughout your business journey uh, you know, I, I don't have a ton that I can think, sit here and say, but my probably two books that I love, and it's not so much for business, but I just, I like it because I like the suddenness of it is Blink is one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. And then my, the book that I've really enjoyed over the past couple of years is a business book called Traction. And I was introduced to that book through Mark C. Winters. He's on Twitter at Mark C. Winters. And he has been a really good mentor for me. And he is actually writing a book with the author of Traction that's going to be coming out soon. Because he has really taken my company and we've been putting it through the Traction process. And it really helps you understand short-term and long-term goals and helps you understand how the people in the company work together and can move it forward. So I think that, that would be my favorite. I want to talk just shortly before we go here, I want to talk a little bit about your social media. One thing that really impressed me was the fact that you have just about like 100,000 followers on Twitter and that you actually follow almost equally as many people. So you're very, very interactive on Twitter. So what does it take to build up a really quality audience on Twitter? What are some of the ways that you've done that over these years? Well, I started early, and that was the best part. I mean, I started really early. It's been years now, and I, I, it's got to be crazy because I've been at, like, 90-something thousand for, like, a year and a half. <laughs> it's 100,000. So if anybody has a couple thousand friends on Twitter that follow me at LinkedIn Queen, I would very much appreciate it. But I'm, I'm stuck at 90-something thousand for quite a while. But Twitter, what, what does it take to be successful on Twitter? A lot of time. Of all the of social media platforms, I would say Twitter is – for me, the, the most intense time needed to, to be spent on because it's so interactive. So, number one, I think you need to tweet whether you're a company or a person seven to ten times a day, and half of those need to be interactive, need to be a discussion. You need to strive to answer every question, unless it's a dumb question, don't answer that, or if somebody's being rude, don't answer that. So other than that, somebody's asking you a legitimate question, you need to strive to answer that within a day, in my opinion. 
you have to be creating content that is valuable. Ideally, it's the social media business equation, a mix of content where you're entertaining, you're informing, you're interacting, and then you're converting to business. Converting to business doesn't necessarily mean you're selling. It means that 20% of the time you're asking for whatever it is you want. If it's a donation, great. If it's a new job, great. If it's a sale, great. All those things are fine. But the social media business equation really talks about giving 80% of the time and then asking for what you want 20% of the time. So the frequency, 7 to 10 times a day, really great content that emulates and, and shows your personality. So if you're a very straight-laced and serious person, that's how you should be on social media. If you're funny, that's how you should be. However you are, that's how you should be on social media. And uh, just a willingness to give and to be there for providing actual content that makes sense. Mm. Eve, I really want to close this conversation by asking you, what are you envisioning for the future? What is in the works for social media delivered and for you? Well, I wrote this book, Get a Pro Guide, and my techniques are obviously very effective because I have a super great boyfriend now from that, so that's fabulous. I'm going to focus on him because that's a lot of fun, and I haven't had that in my life for a very long time, and it's a blast to be in love. I am going to further speak on women empowerment through business and through dating and all those things together, kind of a combination of, of my thoughts on, on how I started this business for social media delivered and things I've learned through Get It Girl Guide. So I did a TEDx talk on that last December. I did see that, by the way. It's really good. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much. So I I talk about something called the fearless alter ego, which is primarily for women, but but also could be used for men. But it's faking it until you're making it. It's it's going forward, and whether you want to start a company or you want to date for the first time, you want to do that first marathon, or you want to raise your kid the right way and maybe a little different than other people say, it's finding the courage to do that and to be fearless and to go after whatever lifestyle choice that you you want and really owning it. So I'd really like to do more work around speaking about those things, especially to women in business and and to women who are trying to find whatever that path is for them. I'm I'm hoping to do that. Social media delivered, I'd say Shannon and Ruth are going to take us further to greatness. I'm going to be able to be more of the visionary, which is what I really like doing is coming up with inventive ideas and concepts for our clients and more about uh, the technology involved with social media and, and weaving that more into our offering. So uh, I'm looking forward to all of it. Eve, I really want to thank you so much for being here on the show today, for sharing your business journey. I just have really enjoyed this conversation. So thank you so much. Thank you so much, Katie. I appreciate you having me. You can get all the notes for today's conversation with Eve at bizwomenrock.com forward slash 69. One of the biggest takeaways that I got from this conversation was how Eve actually creates culture within her community and within her business. And, you know, it really started with her internship program, which I thought was very interesting. I really took that as sort of a trial run, like, hey, let's see if you're going to work out. Let's see if we're going to mesh together, and then we can start taking each other very seriously into the next phase of this business relationship together. And once you get into that, then you throw in all, you know, this these pie wars. And, um, you know, what I really loved was how they all wrote together. You know, they, they're sitting with a client, and everyone has their particular writing jobs that they're doing, and they're sort of having this collaborative writing effort 
with a lot of fun of, you know, who had the best writing and the worst writing and all that sort of stuff. So I, I really love that she got so clear with us about some of those things because I think so many times we think culture has to be something grandiose and, you know, huge only for big companies once you're sort of out of the trudge of the day-to-day you know, kind of grind of of your business. But she, you know, definitely was doing those things from early on. And I really, really love that. I thought it was so, so key in being able to build a really cool teen culture. So if you got something out of today's show, remember to turn around and go implement it and give it a shot in your business and in your life and just watch how things move. And don't forget to share the show with another friend. Make sure that they have access to these really great stories as well. Thanks so much for being here and I'll see you on the next episode.